This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile house plants, and liberal rights. Start warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning. Here we are on a frosty morning in uh, God's country, tiny woods of north central Florida in the Warthog Man Cave in the Melton Law Studio. Yeah, we had a little nippy frost this morning here in the pasture. And of course, we had a visitor this morning, uh, a lone coyote, and actually a very good looking coyote, very uh, heavy coat and uh, came up and just sort of came right up almost to the house and looked around. And uh, uh, of course, I went out and had a conversation with the coyote and said, you know, get the H out. And he took off. Um but they're around and uh, they, they was prowling around looking for something to do this morning with frost on the ground. So good morning, everybody. And uh, thank you for tuning in. I've got some very intense uh, homework for you today that you'll probably want to take notes on uh, students. And um, so I'll go over it as carefully as I can, because I've been studying it myself, my own self, as we say, in South uh, Georgia and Northern Florida. Um, I've been studying in my own self and, um, uh, come on plantation, only 27, quit complaining, man. You're up there good in the woods. You got it made, man. So, um, he's a great supporter as all you guys are who are checking on and some, I don't see, I was in a bank yesterday and, and, uh, somebody said to me, well, you know, watch you all the time. Well, a lot of people watch it. I don't really know watch cause they don't watch at this live moment, but, uh, we are here today with uh, a story uh, that I've called Catch and Release. I covered it a little bit yesterday uh, when I went over the criminality of the country and the lawlessness of the country and the uh, well-organized now crash and loot, uh, smash and loot things that are going on across the nation in the big cities and the wealthy stores uh, with uh, no punishment whatsoever. But locally, I want to applaud Jennifer Cabrera with whom we kind of partner in uh, information and trying to make sure that you guys um, know what's going on. Jennifer writes about it um, and I talk about it. So um, uh, you may see that she advertises with me and I advertise with her. But she's um, one of the people that if we don't have her, we don't have anybody like her in the community to fill that void. Uh, very energetic, very bright, as is her husband. But she is probably on a collision course with uh, anger, as I am, or disappointment or frustration, because she's gone back and talked a little bit more about D'Amico White. Now, if D'Amico White doesn't ring a bell with you, this is the guy who on Thanksgiving Day uh, caused a crash on I-75 that killed a 13-year-old girl uh, and an 83-year-old woman from High Springs. Now, that is bad enough as it is. But the guy was released on $15,000 bond the next day. And we're not talking about somebody who is well known in the community, who has property we can seize if he jumps on the bond. Uh, we're talking about a guy that is really a hardened criminal 
who has learned to uh, totally game the system, who uh, doesn't respect it, uh, has beaten everything that's ever been thrown at him. And uh, he has got a extensive, extensive uh, 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 um, rap sheet. And oddly enough, I'm just going to read from what Jennifer wrote. The first appearance order scored him as a low flight risk. I, I, I got to pull this over here where I can see a little bit. I can't believe this. Um, you know, I don't know who the judge. I, get, I need to ask our instigator, investigator, who the judge was, was that did this. He will know if he's listening. Maybe he can text it in to me on the Mellon hotline if he wants to do it confidentially. It's 352-325-3938. But, you know, this guy was scored scored low. I don't know. The first appearance order scores him. I mean, I like to see that score sheet. I guess I got I got to familiarize myself with this thing. I've been stung, you know, by the matrix for the so-called uh, uh, SWAT team descending on white collar alleged criminals. Uh, this guy, uh, compare that to this guy here. Um, he has three felony adjudications, his most recent in 2020, two of which were for drugs. The other was for battery. He has three misdemeanor adjudications, all for drugs, his most recent in 2018. Now get this now. He has eight traffic violations with the most recent in 2021 and two failures to appear with the most recent in 2019. This is Jennifer's article highlighting all this. He has a misdemeanor battery charge pending in Leon County and is currently on probation in Orange County for knowingly driving without a valid license. Now, I don't, I don't know how this computes on the score sheet. I'd like to see that score sheet. I mean, does this stuff just not matter? Um, so um, the document does not mention the November 21st sentence of 24 months probation that he was given for violating his Pinellas County probation on a felony battery charge. You know, it's just a matter of time until this guy ends up, you know, um, taking out some more life. I mean, wouldn't you think so? I mean, um, you know, you, you take these IQ tests, okay? Um, you, you, if you take them, all the R's, they want you to be able to uh, recognize patterns and, you know, put the right square in the right corner of the box and this, that, one, another. You know, doesn't anybody have an, you know, I would like to check the IQ of the people who let this guy go because uh, the pattern is so obvious that this is a, a, a renegade. Um, now, listen, he was given for, uh, for you know, he was probation for violating his Pinellas County probation on a felony battery charge. He has a juvenile history going back to 2012. Uh, come on. Are you kidding me? I mean, is there is, is a no justice? Uh, no, I don't think there's any justice. And this poor lady. Uh, and then, by the way, there's a GoFundMe uh, uh, page for her, which I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tout. You know, I want I want to it's a GoFundMe page uh, set up for the family, of the victims of this Thanksgiving Day crash. Um, it was a family of Ashton Hall and Patricia Williams. Um, it's out on Elantra Chronicle out there. If you, and and uh uh, you'll see it, and I, I I recommend that we participate in this. When this was, uh, you know, the, you know I, but I, I I still got it. You listen, you're citizens of this community. Lloyd Bailey, you're a citizen of this community. Uh, Ray, uh, some of you other people, Brenda, some of you people, you know what what the heck is going on here?
I mean, you know, these people are driving up and down the same road we are. Uh, they're walking around in the same stores we are. And they're taking the position that they don't give a damn about the rules that we look after and try to honor and respect. And they get away with it. And um, so I don't know. I want to, you know, irk me so much. I Hello, Doug. You're down in Mexico, I guess. Good morning. Um, I don't know what to say about it. it it's really it's, a, it, it's not the, it's not the only case, by the way. We've been covering this forever and a day. OK, we have been fine. This, we don't have to look hard to find this kind of stuff. Um, so I call it catch and release. I mean, you know, that's what you're supposed to do with a fish, right? That, you know, that, you know, is endangered or isn't big enough or this, that, wing another. You can have the fun catching it, but you got to release it. You can't take it home and all eat it, all that stuff. Anyway, um, is that the way we're, you know, this guy's, this bad, this guy's bad news and doesn't care. And, and why should he? Why should he? Obviously, there's drugs involved. He's running drugs and he's doing using the vehicle to run them. I mean, I would surmise that anyway. So um, now there there you are. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it, it is so prevalent in our judicial system right now. And we've got such a crazy, crazy example of lawless law. Fervor when the SWAT team goes to the Collier International with AR-15s and points them at guys um, coming down the stairs, uh, you know, of a legitimate business that gives back to this community and everything. And that those guys are hauled away uh, in zip ties, and you know, something's got to something's got to change. I mean, it, it can't go on like this. And and you know. It, it maybe will come up as a big election issue in 2022. I mean, I've even gotten my reservations about that, um, that that is going to to really uh, amount to much of anything, given the way in which uh, people have lost confidence in, in voting, which I'm going to go to next as a subject. Now, before I go to it, I want to I want to read something into the record here that you all may not be familiar with. Um, and that's censorship of this show. Um, we've been censored twice. Once we were censored by Facebook for having a show entitled Biden Ethics. I have no idea what upset the apple cart with Biden Ethics. Um, we, we, we just put it up there. I mean, it's, it's a phrase it's seen in a print and a lot of different areas and a lot of different media. And uh, they took that show down. If you go over to wartscottfiles.com, where we keep uh, a lot of the stuff, you won't find that. Uh, and then, then on top of that, uh, we had this distinguished guest uh, a while back here, Peter Wood, who's president of the National American Scholars. I mean, he's no lightweight. And um, YouTube took that down and put us really in, in the penalty box and wouldn't uh, allow any of our work to go out onto the public platform. Now we still get the audio on Spotify, we get the audio on Apple Podcasts, um, but we can't put the show on, uh, and we keep, that one was kept on Facebook, ironically, but we can't put that show out on Word Scott Files because that show 
is fed through the Facebook platform over to our archives. So you'll see if you go to wardsgodfiles.com, you'll see a great gap from November 16th on to maybe a couple of days ago, yesterday, yesterday's show. You will go, you will go from that gap, November 16th, I think it was, to yesterday's show. And you'll see no shows at wardscottfiles.com. We had shows. We had shows. Now it is interrupted by uh, uh, Thanksgiving, but we nevertheless had a show. We had a rerun. That's not up there though. That would normally have been posted. So why wasn't it posted? I want to give you an understanding of what is going on here. And so not only is it difficult for a show like this to uh, find sponsors because they have to be courageous. Uh, they have to be committed to the truth, really. I mean, a classroom, a, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, speak uh, the type of language that the algorithm, uh, you know, accepts. B Biden and ethics and Peter Wood. Those are the three words that God has banned on two different platforms. And I'm going to give you a reason why in just a second, if it's a real reason, if you can understand it. I can't really understand it. So uh, this is what's happening in America. And I'm going to I'm going to take you through this today because you need to you need to kind of be aware of where we are when we come on this show and how we're sticking our head up out of the foxhole. Uh, why don't you see things at the Gainesville Sun? Why don't you see things at other media? Because they're scared. Uh, they bought into the fashion and the, and, 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 and the thinking that is prevalent. Uh, they don't want to have, you know, you know, all the, all the feedback. That, so they, they do the quote unquote, the party line. And um, this situation is uh, probably going to get a little worse because we just changed the CEO of Twitter, which I'm going to also cover today. So these things are, are loading up in your society. And ironically, you know, more and more people get their information from uh, platforms like these I just mentioned. The radio has been bland forever. And well, Rush was tough. I like Rush, but, and you know, Savage is good. Levin, Mark Levin, so there's a two or three, that's it. But Rush was the, was the daddy. And uh, yeah, he built his own empire. That's how he got around it. And it took him years and years and years to do, I think it's 30 some years to build his own EIME network. So, um, you know, it takes a long time to build up. And then particularly, we can't expand our volume any because of Facebook has got us in sort of permanent timeout. We can't boost any shows, which is the way uh, we, we, uh, we spread the word and enlarge the audience. Now, I want to read this to you. Uh, I want to thank a production for pulling this up for me. Uh, and I want you to pay attention, if you will, you students, because uh, this is something you can actually, it's meat and potatoes for arguments with liberals. Um, you know, I get calls all the time uh, from people who want me to advise them on how to argue with a liberal. It's amazing. And they always want to argue at some platitude level. Uh, you know, and so that means that they're, using their misinformation from the public press to argue uh, misinformation with the liberal from their public press. That's not getting anywhere. You know, that's, that's not going to help anybody. You need to familiarize yourself at a lot, not, a lot more basic level, but it's hard to do. So I'm going to try to help you today with it. Um, this is the YouTube statement on election integrity misinformation, okay? 
pay attention. I want to watch and see if you all are making any comments. Don, good morning, Don Printer Bailey. Uh, um, here we are, Jackie. And I'll, I want to see if you all listen to this carefully here now. Uh, this is from YouTube regarding election integrity misinformation. This is what's considered to be misinformation. A claim that a candidate only won a swing state in the U.S. 2020 presidential election due to voting machine glitches that changed votes. Okay? You're not even allowed to say that on Facebook. You can't even say, I mean, on uh, YouTube, you can't even say that. Let me read it back to you. You can't even say it. Okay? Now, I'm... Uh, he was going, listen, I'm saying it. So, that, you know, who knows? If you claim that a candidate only won a swing state in the U.S. 2020 presidential election due to voting machine glitches that change votes, they'll, they'll ban you. Now, listen, I never claimed that. My guest might have claimed it, but I didn't claim it. Here's another one. Claims that dead people voted in numbers that changed the outcome of the U.S. 2016 presidential election. Huh? Are you with me? Claims that fake ballots were dumped to give one candidate enough votes to win a state in a past U.S. presidential election. Content advancing false claims that widespread fraud, error, or glitches changed the outcome of um, the German parliamentary election. And then they say, this is not a free pass to promote misinformation. Additional context may include countervailing views or if the purpose of the content is to condemn, dispute, or satirize misinformation that violates our policies. Now, I asked my production guys, from our title of that show, that YouTube band called Peter Wood, that's all it is, that's basically all it is, how were they trolling Peter? Was YouTube trolling Peter Wood? Was Peter Wood built into the conversation as a as a red flag? My guys told me that no, what YouTube does is it records every single show. This show right now is being recorded by YouTube word for your word. Then that an algorithm machine, whatever the God's name that is, listens to every single word in this show and decides if there are any trigger words that raise a flag. Phrases, words and phrases that raise a flag. And if so, they won't let you proceed. <coughs> That's right. The production is telling me in my ear or at that point, if that algorithm perceives words or phrases, they then can send it to a person. Well, they say it's a committee. <coughs> they will decide. Now, say after me what I just said, because this is this is this is the nitty gritty. I see all these conversations about, oh, the Constitution and all. Hey, listen, friends, this is where the rubber meets the road. 
learn this doctrine. Familiarize yourself with these principles. These are the ones that are governing your brain. Because what you see and hear is what you react to and use in your conversations and form your thoughts with. And that is being controlled before you ever see and hear it. I'm looking out here to see what kind of reaction I'm getting from people on this, because this is really the nitty gritty. I'm seeing a lot of good mornings, but I'm not seeing any. Oh, my God, you can't be serious. I'll wait around a second, see what I get here. Well, some brave soul speak up. They're not going to come by your house and hopefully take your mailbox. All right. I read that in the record. Did I not? Okay, Jackie, thank you. I'm looking. I know people clearly liable who sued for defamation a loss because it was rule and opinion. So to YouTube, an opinion is uh, liable, but not the court. Uh, YouTube claims, and I'm going to get into that in a minute, Jackie. It's a good point when I go over to the, to the Twitter CEO. Okay. I'm going to get over to the Twitter CEO. Uh, CEO and um, and talk about that. <clears throat> Twitter, I guess I'll go do it now. I had it a little farther down the list here, but let me go do it now. Twitter has changed its CEO. And you know who its CEO did what he did is he uh, uh, he banned Trump, this guy. So <clears throat> now we've got a Twitter change. And let me pull up that article for you, just so you'll be informed. You may already know it, um, but I'll pull it up again for you. Um, We've got a Twitter change in CEO. Now, this guy is a techie from Silicon Valley, but he has got a name that is not, quote unquote, an Anglo-Saxon European name, Western civilization name, if you will. It is, and I don't even know if I'm going to say it right, Parag Agrawal. All right, Breitbart, and I, I highly recommend you read Breitbart. Um, they, they keep it coming. They keep, the, they keep an accurate view on what's going on. Uh, this Parag Agrawal, Jackie, I'm talking to you now, specifically, uh, is... Uh, he says that, that he is not bound by the First Amendment. Okay? <clears throat> Twitter is not bound by the First Amendment. He says the things that they are bound by uh, focus less on thinking about free speech, but more on thinking how the times have changed. Now, this is a guy obviously, who thinks, and he's in charge of Twitter now. This is a guy who obviously thinks or has stated in the past that he thinks that the Constitution is a document to be revised as the times change, okay? So we don't need a First Amendment anymore because, uh, you know, that's not free. We just can't have all this free speech flying around. Um, He said, this is a quote, he, he said this in the MIT Technology Review that 
Twitter no longer considered free speech to be an area of focus. He said, quote, our role is not to be bound by the First Amendment, but our role is to serve a healthy public conversation. Now, obviously, if you are paying attention in class, you know that the word healthy is up to uh, opinion, right? So their attention is not uh, the First Amendment, but a healthy public conversation that leads to a healthier public conversation. And uh, we don't think about free speech as much as we think about how the times have changed. I have no idea what that means. So one of the changes that he says they see in speech on the internet today is that it's too easy. Too many people can say whatever they want to say. So Twitter sees it as their responsibility to make sure that that which is said meets their standards. Not any different <coughs> from YouTube and this, what I just quoted you. Um, so it's increasingly the role of Twitter, he says, to recommend content and sort it out. There you go. That's the new, new dude running the Twitter. I got another article about him. He, in 2010, let me make sure I got this right. In 2010, you know, he replaced this guy, Jack Dorsey, uh, which is a far left social media company. In 2010, he, this guy, Parag Agrawal, said that there was no need to distinguish between white people and racists. And his quote was, if they're going, if they're not going to make a distinction between Muslims and extremists, then why should I distinguish between white people and racists? Probably he's a Muslim. So I'm just going to assume he is because of what he said. So we have a Muslim, uh, apparently, uh, now running this uh, the Twitter and uh, and is going to make sure that what you say there is healthy. Okay, make sure what you say is healthy. Now, <clears throat> any questions? Because this is absolutely essential to what I'm going to go into after the break, and I'm going to give you a case uh, that I'm going to be walking through some minefields on as I give it to you. I can tell you that right now, having read to you what I just read to you. If the algorithm hears the wrong phrase, it may trigger a response. And there are plenty of minefields in what I'm going to cover with you after the break. But I'm not going to be the guy originating it. It originated in Politico. But, you know, the algorithm doesn't care where it originated, right? It's not going to go censor Politico because Politico has its own site in publishing its own information. And it's not going through Facebook. It's not going through YouTube. It's Politico's website, just as is uh, Breitbart's Breitbart's website. So, you know. The assumptions that you make about the information you're getting are probably false. 
you can probably start from that premise. They're not false here, but they are censored here. And, you know, I've been called racist. Uh, I've had uh, sponsors run and hide under their bed and got no respect for those guys. I don't, I don't patronize them. I don't talk to them because it's a war out there. And, you know, if they ran in battle, and I don't want them on my team. I really don't. I'm sorry. If they run in battle, I don't want them on my team. So uh, the hell with them. Don't they realize that, that what's at stake here? <clears throat> so probably not. They're living a comfortable life, boiling one more hot dog after another. So that's okay. But when they, the curtain drops and the inflation comes in and, uh, you know, you can't figure out how things are done. They don't appear to be done right, but you can't dare saying about it. You know, don't come back and talk to us who tried to tell you. So we'll be back in a moment. I want to take a break here. I got to kind of watch my voice still a little bit, but I'm getting better. Uh, frosty morning here in North uh, Central Florida. But this is really interesting stuff to me. And if it's interesting stuff to me, it's dang sure going to be in the class subject. Be right back in just a moment. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Achtung, Achtung, the papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much schnell. Check this out, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No. No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 
1-800-227-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. I took a little longer break than normal because uh, I'm getting over whatever it is you get after you get the flu shot. <laughs> but um, and I haven't going to talk about COVID today. I'm so tired of talking about COVID. So anyway, I'm going to continue with this theme here we got today. Themes catch and release, but um, you know it's a one way it's a one way street. They let the criminals go, but they make the, they lock the good people up. And I just kind of see myself as a good person that's locked up by <laughs> the authorities when they censor us. And I think censorship's getting to be a very serious situation in this country. Um, I've got plenty of data to back it up and conversations uh, to uh, to show uh, the, the you know the students what's going on. But I'm going to run through this with you, and this is going to take a little while, and it might trigger an algorithm. I don't know, but it's. Uh, written by Michael Graff in Politico. Now, Politico keeps track of us. We send quite a few of our uh, documentations to Politico, uh, particularly where it's uh, concerned with uh, a voter of F, uh, where voter F is involved. We um, we send quite a bit of it Politico. We send it out to Breitbart and we send it over to TV stations. It's not covered here locally. And they don't cover anything here locally. So uh, we got connections in the bigger platforms. and. Um, so political pays attention to us. Um, obviously, <laughs> YouTube does, but uh, Breitbart pays attention to us. Um, uh, so we got a little bit of a note in the bottle picked up out there somewhere in the big old ocean. But Michael Graff wrote this in Politico, and he's covering, you know, I look carefully uh, at, the, at the rules here from, from YouTube, and it's mostly about, well, I'd say it's, you know, maybe production had helped me out with it. I think it's all with the exception of this weird thing about uh, um, the German parliamentary, I think, I don't know how that got in there, but it's mostly about the presidential election. I, I think that's what they're really trying to squash. Oops, I said it, and maybe that was a bad word, but um, uh, <clears throat> the uh, the uh, uh, mostly it's about president. So this is not presidential election. This is a, an election for Congress it's a Republican primary in North Carolina in 2016. So I'm going to go through this with you and show you how uh, 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 <clears throat> people can uh, manipulate the numbers in, a, in, in, a, in an election. Let's put it that way. Maybe that won't trigger, uh, you know, maybe that won't be a bad word, huh? Well, I'm not going to show you. Michael Graff is going to show you. And I'm going to walk through. This is Michael Graff who's done this. And I want to, that was very interesting to me. Uh, had he not written about it, I wouldn't have known about it. And in 2016, a guy named Mark Harris lost the Republican primary for North Carolina's ninth congressional district by 134 votes. And the thing that made the difference was a handful of absentee votes, absentee votes. A handful of absentee votes uh, made the difference in the 2016 Republican primary for North Carolina's 9th Congressional District. 
Now, some powerful Republicans in the um, area there arranged a meeting uh, with uh, the loser, Harris, to um, talk to him about a man that they thought could explain how he lost. And it was a man named McCray Dallas. And this man had steered the word, the verb here is steered of those handful of absentee ballots toward the man who defeated Harris. So some Republicans behind the scenes didn't think that all was passing the smell test. And it was not the guy they really wanted. They wanted Harris. So they said, you maybe need to meet this guy, Dallas. Well, uh, Dallas is an interesting character. And I'm going to go through this and hopefully you'll see how it works. Took me a couple of readings and to understand this. Um, Dallas and Harris in the <coughs> in a meeting that was set up in a furniture store, <coughs> bonded, if you will. And uh, Harris decided to hire Dallas the next time he was running and also uh, uh, use any kind of techniques that Dallas used that Harris at that time thought were legal. I mean, if Dallas knew how to maximize the return on absentee ballots and the supervisor elections in that county had no problem with them, then why don't I hire Dallas? Dallas, I'm, I'm Harris. Why don't I hire the guy who my opponent hired who got me beat? And maybe by using the same guy who's obviously for hire for anybody with the highest dollar, maybe I'll beat the guy. Or I'll win in the next in the next race. So, what happened is uh, uh, the absentee ballot, and I guess integrity is the word I want to use, became important to look at this. And here's how it worked: This was in Blandon County. And they had a had a race in 2018. And it didn't involve the sophisticated computers and all that business that uh, got, uh, you know, some of the other people in trouble for complaining about. It was guys walking around with handwritten lists and spreadsheets uh, collecting absentee ballots. Uh, and how did they do that? The incumbent, Robert Penninger, uh, had won the election and Harris was going to run against him. And he was going to employ this guy, as I say, uh, Dallas. And what they did is they analyzed where the districts were, where Penninger had few friends, and it was the rural reaches of the district, because Pittenger lived in a wealthy western end of, uh, the, of, the, of, the, of the district, <clears throat> and they thought they could hand carry 
Dallas could, people hand carry absentee ballots to these remote rural areas, and that would make a difference. Because Mark Harris <clears throat> conceded to Penninger uh, by, he, he lost by one uh, half of 1% in his race. Now, Mark Harris has a son, John Harris, who figures very prominently in his story. He's an attorney. And he called, Mark Harris called his son and checked out Dallas and wanted to know, hey, who is this Dallas? And <clears throat> should I ask for a recount or, you know, where do these mail-in ballots come from and what's the story on them? And um, his son told him that the guy, McCray uh, uh, Dallas, had helped uh, get all these votes by collecting absentee ballots and bringing them to the Board of Elections, okay? <clears throat> and he told his father that that would not, uh, uh, that would be a crime if Dallas collected all the absentee ballots and brought them to the Board of Elections, that would be a crime. But if he sent workers to collect the absentee ballot request forms, that would be legal. But not the absentee ballots themselves, which is illegal. So here's a distinction. <clears throat> I can hire people <coughs> to take absentee ballots to people. But I can't return those ballots for the people. That's illegal. So what Dallas would do, he would send a team of people uh, to uh, witness the absentee ballots, but not collect them. That was legal, so long as both people who signed as witnesses actually watched the voter cast the ballot. Now, Dallas swore to Harris that he would never take a 90-year-old woman's ballot to the mailbox, even if she asked. But John, the lawyer's son, the, the candidate's son said he didn't believe it. He didn't believe it. He thought what Dallas was really doing in these elections to, to, to throw these elections. And everybody was hiring this guy because they were winning. And they were winning with absentee ballots. He said what he thought this guy was doing was um, <clears throat> he was not only sending people to distribute the ballots, he was also collecting the ballots and bringing them back and checking them over and dumping in the ones that uh, 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 would throw the, the race in the in, in, into the guys who hired him. So John Harris, knowing that his conversation with his father should not be put in an email, <coughs> just simply told his father in a handwritten note, that the North Carolina statutes aided a felony to collect someone's absentee ballot. <clears throat> this, is, this is the nitty gritty. Collecting somebody's absentee ballot. Okay. So uh, the key is it is illegal to collect the absentee ballots and mail them at once. If they simply leave the ballot with the voter and say, be sure to mail it in, then that's not illegal. Therein lies the rub. 
Okay. Ballot harvesting. It's okay to give the absentee ballot to the potential vote. It's not okay to mail it in for them or uh, to collect them up in a big gob. So uh, John, the attorney, told his father that if you're comfortable that Dallas is not doing this illegally, that all he's doing is hiring people to go take these absentee ballots to these voters. And uh, he's not collecting them and mailing them for them or bringing them back and he's mailing them for them. Uh, then go ahead and use Dallas. This is John, the son, telling the father, okay. So what Dallas would do is uh, he would look over the forms when they came back because he would hire what were called pillheads. Uh, people in the area of North Carolina where um, they were low-income people and worked in the cotton mills and all and would do anything for quick, quick cash. So Dallas would pay them with cash to go give these ballots to these voters and to bring them back. And when he collected, Dallas requested, collected the forms, uh, he would look at them and uh, he would uh, put the initials of the person who collected that ballot on the top right corner. That way, if the Board of Elections had any questions about the ballot request form, he knew which worker to call. And he made a copy of each form before turning it in. This way, he'd have the voters' information when the actual ballots went out and he could send workers back to their houses to make sure they voted. So there was a, a very subtle but effective way of harvesting these ballots. It was a combination of techniques. Uh, and it was um, tried and true, and it had worked for everybody who had hired uh, Dallas. <clears throat> so Harris hired Dallas, and uh, lo and behold, uh, Harris won the next race uh, by about the same margin as the number of absentee ballots that came in. And the Justice Department took a look at this and said, hey, you know, how, how we got this, how we got these shenanigans going on in this district? We've seen it now several times that these absentee ballots are making a difference. So they met, they met with a woman named Valerie McCoy, who was a black woman and the deputy director, and asked her if she'd notice anything strange. And she, she said, yeah. Um, she said she'd noticed that several of the containers were signed by the same name. And she said, actually, a lot of the containers are signed by the same name. So the investigators wanted to see the ballot request forms in question, but she said, well, you're going to get me in trouble. And then she went away to get them. So what's coming back in are all these ballots that have been validated by Dallas, okay? And he's not thinking anybody's ever going to catch it or see it. So, uh, Next thing you know, the congressional contest wasn't even close in Bladen. Harris collected 5,413 votes to his opponent's 3,856. 
<laughs> of those who voted for Harris, 420 were by absentee ballots. That was a healthy return on the 572 request forms that Dallas's team had planted and picked up earlier. So not only had they figured out where to take them and they had initials so they knew where they came from, they also brought them and turned them in, which was illegal. So uh, nearly 280,000 people cast votes throughout the district that year. And Harris was on his way to what eventually would be called a 905 vote edge, which is less than a half a percent, which was roughly the same margin which he had lost to his opponent two years before. So by using the same guy that defeated Harris two years before, Harris used two years later, he defeated his opponent by about the same margin as he, Harris, had been defeated by. So this guy, Dallas, has got this absentee ballot thing down pat. <clears throat> well, it all seemed to pass right on by until uh, you have to really think about this. It kind of shocked me when I was coming through the article. Um, how did this really end up? Um, it ended up by a Democrat uh, looking into this, pushing and pushing, uh, calling Harris, not getting a straight answer, but uh, getting finally to Mark Harris's son, John Harris. <clears throat> Mark Harris held firm that he didn't know anything improper was going on in Dallas's operation. But the state board of elections <clears throat> had somebody who was willing to say, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> and furthermore, Mark Harris was warned. Now, I'm going to let you figure out who do you think that person was. <clears throat> it was John Harris. Mark Harris's own son testified against him. John Harris told the story of how he had warned his father about the possibility of Dallas's operation being illegal. Well, this blew the lid off the place. It was a new election, as I understand it. And uh, Let me just see how it ended up. The opponent that was running against uh, Harris won. And Dallas, meanwhile, has been maintaining his innocence that he has not participated in election fraud. <clears throat> and he's going to make him try to prove that he manipulated the absentee ballots. Now, I, I, I am, I'm going through that. Um, with you at the risk of, you know, tipping the apple cart over here with the uh, censored boys over here. But that's Politico. That's a true story. It does not involve the presidential election, but it does involve ballot harvesting. <clears throat> 
Okay. Any questions? I'll sit here and wait for a moment and see if there are any. Any questions? <clears throat> Well, seeing none, as they say in the courtroom, hearing none, we'll move on. Omar and a person named uh, um, Bobart are in a war. <clears throat> Do you know anything about this war? I'm sure you know who Ilhan Omar is, right? You know who Ilhan Omar is. <clears throat> she is a representative Democrat from Minnesota. <clears throat> Do you know who Bo Burke is? Lauren Bo Burke. She's a representative Republican from Colorado. They are head to head right now, and I thought it was worth closing the show out to talk about it. Uh, apparently, on an elevator with friends, um, Bo Burke said something uh, to the effect that, and I think Omar was on the elevator with her, this is when the controversy began, anyway. Uh, a video surfaced over Thanksgiving weekend of Bulbert saying that she and a staffer were getting on a Capitol elevator when she saw a Capitol police officer racing toward them. And she then turned and saw Omar standing nearby. And uh, she said, well, she doesn't have a backpack. We should be fine, Bobart recalled. And um, uh, the jihad squad decided to show up for work today. Well, of course, Omar's Muslim. And Omar right away condemned the remarks as Islamophobic and uh, for suggesting that Omar could be a terrorist. Uh, so they got into a phone call where, as I understand it, Bobert tried to apologize, apologize, I apologize, I apologize to Omar, and Omar wouldn't accept it. Now, Bobert says she called, uh, um, and uh, Omar says, well, I, gracious, I graciously accepted a call from her, and I hoped uh, that I would get a direct apology for falsely claiming she met me in an elevator suggesting I was a terrorist and for a history of anti-Muslim hate. <clears throat> and instead of apologizing for her Islamic phobic comments and fabricated lies, she refused to publicly acknowledge her hurtful and dangerous comments. There you go. There you go. She instead doubled down on her rhetoric and I decided to end the unproductive call, Omar added. I believe in engaging with those we disagree with respectfully, but not when that disagreement is rooted in outright bigotry and hate. 
This is coming from Omar, okay? Ilhan Omar. Bobert replied by saying, <clears throat> I wanted to let her know that I had reflected on my previous remarks. And as a strong Christian woman who values faith deeply, I never want to say anything to offend someone's religion. I told her that. But even after I made out a public statement, she said that wasn't good enough, that I need to apologize publicly. And of course, uh, Bobart then said, this isn't the only thing she does, Omar. She attacks Israel. She calls to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, she wants me to apologize for criticizing somebody who asked for that. She says, I'm not going to do that. She says, Bobert says, I told Omar she should publicly apologize to the American people for her anti-American, anti-Semitic, anti-police rhetoric. And Omar hung up on me when I said that. Well, 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 well. There we are. <clears throat> there we are, my friends. Um, it is, uh, Bobert said in a tweet, never apologize to Islamic terrorists, sympathizers, communists, or those who fund murder with our tax dollars. Uh, that was tweeted by Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia, defending Bobert. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You know, there were many of us who felt that when uh, the refugee relocation program really got going, run by Obama. And what I've been, uh, what I've learned from my investigations is that that's a very well orchestrated attempt to overthrow America from inside the Congress, inside its own governmental system. <clears throat> I've told you that before. And I don't know if that triggers the, the censors or whatever. I don't know. But um, <clears throat> that's what has been told to me. It's been told to me by Muslim colleagues I had uh, at the college. Well, you might think about all this. I don't, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll maybe be back tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, appreciate you tuning in to Ward Scott Files and supporting us in any way you can. We got a couple people here who really do. And I appreciate that. Uh, thanks to production for helping out today. and. Um, have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.